Welcome to Leaders of the West, a podcast for innovators and changemakers. I'm your host, Jesse Jarvis, the founder of Of the West, and I'm sitting down with agriculturalists, entrepreneurs, executives, and everyone in between with the goal of digging into the strategies, mindsets, and lessons that have been crucial to the success of ag and Western. Whether you're carrying on the next generation of your family's operation, starting something from scratch, or determined to climb up the leadership ladder, we're going to inspire you to continue to dream big, growing not just you, but the future of agriculture and Western as a whole. Let's go. Before we get into today's episode, I want to quickly share a little bit about an upcoming Western industry event that I think you're going to enjoy, which is Art of the Cowgirl. Art of the Cowgirl will be held January 17th to 21st, 2024 in Queen Creek, Arizona, and it's an event that's really built around the opportunity to celebrate, gather, and connect Western women around horses and Western art. The 2024 Art of the Cowgirl event will include the Wrangler All-Women's Ranch Rodeo presented by Cowgirl Magazine, the Kimes Ranch World's Greatest Horsewoman Competition presented by Western Horsemen, a breakaway roping competition presented by Merck Animal Health, along with a number of hands-on workshops, clinics, demonstrations, an elite ranch horse sale, a ton of really great shopping, live music, and I will be there as a Lead the Herd Workshop keynote speaker, which I am so excited about. Not only does the event provide entertainment and really honors women of the West, but it also provides fellowship opportunities for individuals who are looking to further their knowledge with master artists in areas like photography, saddle making, and so many other subjects. The contribution of these cowgirl makers is something that is really worth celebrating, and I look forward to sharing them with you guys in person. Tickets and workshop registrations are available now at artofthecowgirl.com, and you can use the code JESSE to receive 10% off of your ticket purchase. I cannot wait to see you guys in January in Queen Creek, Arizona. Welcome back to this week's episode of Leaders of the West. I am so excited to share with you Jason Adams. He is the founder of Beck Sunglasses. If you don't wear Beck Sunglasses, I know that you have heard of them. They are a well-known company in the ag and Western industries. The product that they produce is incredibly quality. They are the top of the line when it comes to sunglasses in our industry. And I'm really excited to sit down today with Jason to show you guys what has gone into building their company because they have done some really unique things that I want to highlight today. So Jason, thanks for being here. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks a million. Yes. Okay. So let's get started. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your experiences that led up to creating Bex. I was born and raised in Las Vegas. I grew up in a rodeo and ranching family. Uh, my father was a contractor and my mother was a country music singer. Before my siblings and I were born, uh, I always loved consumer product and learning how things are constructed and, and how they're made and just always had a kind of a knack and just a love for those types of things. My wife and I were married young and we created Bex early and we've just been rocking ever since and then went to work in the oil field and it was a perfect time to just kind of take that, take that leap. So, Okay. So what exactly drew you to sunglasses? Because you said you, you love consumer products. So of all the products that there are that a person could create, how did you land on sunglasses? I always loved sunglasses. I just, I was a freak about sunglasses and uh, grew up loving a lot of the great brands. And uh, just, I don't know, I, I thought there was some opportunity in the market for sure. That was one of it. And another thing is, is we, as rodeo cowboys, we were wearing shades all the time. 
right? So there was just a natural need for for a great product, and and I wanted to try my hand at that. So tell us a little bit about that learning curve. You came from a family of ranchers and rodeo athletes, and you know business owners and whatnot. But none of them were in the sunglass business. So what were the first steps you took in after you'd made the decision of, okay, I think this is an area that I could succeed in. What next? Oh, that, that, that it was rough and it's still rough in a lot of ways. One of the, one of the great things in my experience, uh, when I first, my father, who was alive at the time, and was 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 a phenomenal patriarch to our family. But one of the, the greatest gifts besides that that he left me was kind of a lesson of tough love. I told him I wanted to do this. I wanted to design and manufacture, distribute eyewear and start a brand. And, and he kind of put his hand on my shoulder and he said, I don't know anything about that business. I don't know anybody that knows anything about that business. And good luck. And that was it. And it was just that simple. And so it started this journey. That was the first thing that I did. Right. And and so that was more or less the why is, is I want to do this. So I jumped on a plane, I went to China and I just became a student and, and of everything I wear, just learned anything and everything. I was a sponge working hard, taking a lot of the work ethic and the, and the, the training that I had grown up. And I just put my shoulder to the wheel and, and jumped into eyewear. And um, that was kind of the why, right? And then the why was eyewear and then the how was learned in China. Went to China, learned from a lot of greats. And I, I was lucky to have a mentor, Jeremy Andrus. I, I tagged along with him and learned up as much as I possibly could about how to operate and run a consumer product goods brand. And then the way, we're still trying to figure that out, right? It's like the why, the how, and the way. And and a lot of those, a lot of the greats will talk about those three concepts or principles, if you will. And so we're still Every day we're learning the way, but the learning curve was steep. It was rough. There's been nothing easy about it, but at the same time, it's been very gratifying. I love a great challenge. I've always been a competitor that way. And so it's honestly, every day has been good, bad, or indifferent. I've just loved every minute of it. So you talked about, obviously, in the early days, figuring out the, well, how do we create eyewear was obviously the challenge. And I don't think that we mentioned, when was Bex founded? 2009. Okay. So you guys have been at this for, let me do my quick math here. What is that? Almost 14, 15 years. 15 years. 14, yeah. 14 coming on 15 years. Yeah. So are there continued learning curves as you guys have gone on? I imagine, okay, you think you have one thing figured out and then there's a new challenge that presents itself. Every day, every day, all, all day long. Right. And uh, there, there's no manual or guidebook on how to do this. And, you know, there's a few, there's a few different things that I think are really important to any entrepreneur or any potential founder that might be listening to this podcast. There's a few different attributes that I think that you need to know right off the bat. Uh, Tenacity. You need to have tenacity. Courage is huge. It's one of those that people don't talk about. You've got to be courageous to do this, right? You better have some fortitude because there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road. There's going to be a lot of, you know, obstacles that you're going to have to overcome. Uh, Determination is huge. Passion. Passion is a big one. It can get you in a lot of trouble, right? It can get you into a lot of trouble. And then you know, adversity, you better be ready for that. And then the one, the, the, you know, there's obviously perseverance, but we kind of we covered that with determination. But the one that nobody really talks about ever, that is probably the most natural in our industry, the way that we grew up, because it's what we know, 
you got to have grit. Just good old fashioned, you know, pick your hat up up on the ground, dust it off, put it back on, and and kind of take the wire where your brim is and kind of straighten it back out and, and keep rolling forward, right? And so that's 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 a big part of it for us. And and there are learning curves and there are obstacles, and you just got to learn to fail and you got to learn to fail fast. For sure. And rodeo helped with that, right? You have to have a short memory. You try to make the NFR. A lot of that groundwork and that foundational stuff was learned early on for me. So I'm super grateful. You know, I think that what you say, though, is so spot on. We always we hear the saying, especially in our industry, about if you get bucked off, you've got to get back on, right? Well, and we think of that in the traditional sense of when you get bucked off a horse. But I think so much of that in business, like you're going to get bucked off daily, if not multiple times a day in whatever it is that you're doing. And you truly do have to adjust things and get back on and keep forging ahead. 100%. I love that. And I agree. I agree 100%. So are you kind of alluded to this a little bit ago, but I was going to ask, are you somebody who figures it out as they go? Or did you hire the right team of people to help lead you there? Because in the beginning, obviously, things are a little bit different than when they are for a company later on down the road. Great question. Uh, Definitely the first especially especially early on and, and for a long time. We're just now starting to be able to to attract talent that comes with some experience, right? And so for the for the early days it was definitely the first. And and it kind of hurt my personality anyways. I'm a grinder. I like to work. I love a good challenge. I, I'm passionate and I'm emotional, but I try and I try and kind of stow those away to focus on the mission, right? And so early on I learned everything I could possibly learn about this business. Everything. Which makes it a bit of a challenge for, for our team that work with me is because you can't really buffalo me at this point. If you come in and you say, I ask you to do this piece of graphic design, whatever it is, and you try and tell me it takes an hour, and I'll say you got 10 minutes and really it should only take you five. Just because I've, been, I've had to learn every aspect of the business from, from product design, which I've done through injection molding to different soldering techniques and manufacturing and all of the different things, marketing, digital ads, uh, lookalike campaigns, you name it. Obviously, the operation side is a given, which is probably one of the most challenging things in business. And luckily, I had a great teacher. My father was one of the best. And so there definitely is that aspect to me and definitely to Bex, right? We're now to a place where we're starting to attract great talent. It's exciting. I look forward to it, but we definitely still have a culture of meritocracy. You know, uh, Bex, nothing's given. You have to show up today and you got you to put up, right? And so it's exciting. But the idea, I think it's a great idea. And you, you read about it in a lot of books, right? They'll talk about Henry Ford. If he didn't know the answer to a question, he pushed a button on his desk and somebody came in and answered it. So therefore, he never had to learn those things. Uh, that seems amazing, but we've never had that at Bex. And honestly, I don't think I would ever want it that way. I love the knowledge. And during the time... It's, it's knowledge is power. As I was gaining that knowledge through those experiences, through those challenges, through those bumps in the road, whatever you want to call them, it was really hard. But I would not trade it for anything in the whole world. Because if something happens in the middle of the night, there's a lot of peace with knowing that I'm not leveraged by someone and having to pick up the phone and figure out what to do. So it's great. Oh, absolutely. And you know, that's something that a few of our other guests have talked about is the fact that, and I think there's a fine line or a balance there. You have to be scrappy in not even just the beginning, but in knowing all aspects of how your business operates. Because if you're not familiar with one and you have somebody in there who is hired to do that and they leave, 
then they've left this big gaping hole. Or if you hire somebody, it's really easy for them to take advantage of you because you're not aware of what actually goes into it. And I think a lot of people have kind of fallen into that trap. But at the same time, if you want to scale and grow your company, you only have 24 hours of the day in the day and we can't work all 24 of them. So you have to bring on people who can maybe do the things that you're not the best at so that you can go and, you know, fulfill what you are really, really good at and hire out the stuff that you're not to continue to grow and scale that. Right. I agree. It's so much easier said than done. Oh, it is. There's some great books out there called like the, you know, there's the E-Myth, there's the hard thing about hard things. Like there's so many great books that talk about that transition, but it's still, you can learn it, you can study it, but it is, it is one of those things where you have to, it's different for everybody, right? It's a very individual type process for me with everything that I have told you. I'm not a micromanager. I don't want to be. I love time more than anybody you'll ever meet probably. And I'm always looking for ways to hack my time. How can I do things to become more efficient, to become more optimized? We've been able to do that through SOPs. We've been able to do some really good things. So with all of those things, but it's one thing to say, hey, I'm going to delegate, which I think every great leader needs to be able to adopt and become a phenomenal delegator to be able to reach their their goals as an organization and as an individual, right? But you still have to have the experience or the talent to be able to delegate that too. And and that's there's a chasm there. There's a balance. And it's a hard one because I, I can speak at Bex. It was up to me to make sure that they were trained with that experience. Nobody has ever really came to Bex knowing how to take this from zero to one. I've had to learn that on the fly. I part that wisdom. We're just now starting to get some people that bring in and they teach me. And that's what I look for. Whenever somebody comes to Bex, I want to look at that person and say, can they teach me? That's what I want because I am hungry for knowledge. I'm hungry to learn. I want to be the best. And that's not just, we don't just say that. One of the things we say around the office at Bex all the time is, I want to win. We want to win. We want to make great product. We want to do great by that customer. And to me, that's winning. And so it is a hard thing. And but But I'm also the type that once I feel like that training and that education and that knowledge is being receptive and it's it's starting to hit home, then I will delegate faster than you may have ever seen. I will cut that umbilical cord and I'll but I'll I'll tell our team, hey, this is coming. We're about to a place where I'm I'm the ship's leaving the harbor and I'm here if you need me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start to be able to hold you accountable to do the job that, that I wanted you to do in the first place, but also knowing that you weren't ready to go. So I try and do my part as a leader to make sure that they're ready, provide the tools, provide the knowledge, provide the, the time and the resources. But then when it comes to a day, then there's it switches to an accountability piece and we get going. And I will say, I think that there is such a fine line there from all areas, right? It's like the four corners of you have to bring in talented people. You cannot micromanage them, but you also have to hold them accountable and be aware of what they're doing to know that they're doing the right thing or not. Like, and, and you can't overstep in any which way. So you're really like, you're kind of on an Island there in that sense. Right. And, and to not be mic- micromanaged is a right, especially when you're, when you're in a founder owned company, it, it's a right, do the job, earn that trust. And there are probably founders in the world that can't let go. I'm not one of them. Like I'm begging you to be able to, to pick that up and get and kick the ball down the road for sure. No, I feel you. I don't think nobody uh, will, for the most part, I don't think that people want to micromanage either because then that in theory, they have to do two jobs. And if they've hired you, they it's because they want you to be able to do their job. Okay. Let's go back to the beginning when you didn't know anything about sunglasses. 
did that lack of experience ever feel overwhelming or like make you feel unqualified, if you will? Yeah, of course, right? And and I still feel unqualified each and every day, but that's just my personality. No matter how much work I put into it or how much I learn, it's ne- I'm never going to feel like it's enough. That's part of that, I, I guess, drive or, or whatever you want to you know, say, but but there's definitely that time. And, and naturally, I, I try and stay kind of in that lane anyways, because I'm, I'm really afraid of all the things I'm afraid to become. It's to be a really proud person. I don't want to be proud at all. And so I think that just naturally, I tell myself every day, every day, you know, I'm unqualified and, and, and I need to learn and I need to be better and, and, and gain more knowledge and learn from my mistakes and learn from each and every situation. And and kind of evaluate it after the fact and say, hey, okay, that, that was good, but how could, we, how could it be better? But the good news is, is, is I think it's natural. I do think it's natural. And the people that aren't admitting it, they're just, they're just tougher than me, I guess. No, I think that you are spot on. And I'm so glad that you are, you are honest and open in saying that because I think of so many people who are in the beginning of their journeys. How many people don't do it because they stop at the thought of, well, I'm not qualified to do this. And I think that's kind of a heartbreaking, what a bummer, because there are probably so many talented people out there who could have done so much had they gotten over the fact that they, you know, quote unquote, weren't qualified for something. What even makes us qualified? Right, right. And it's different for everybody. And it's, uh, what, what do they say? It's you're, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The second best thing you can do is the wrong thing. And the, the worst thing you can do is nothing at all. Right. And so I think that the, I think it's a heart that the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. And so you just got to get going, have a bias for action. That's what we've always done. Uh, we've made a ton of mistakes. We have. And, and in a lot, there's a lot of times, especially now to where the, the brand is getting at this point as the founder and as the president. One of the things that I take to heart probably more than anything else is the obligation that I feel Jason Adams, me have to our customer. You know, these, these sunglasses are not cheap. I know that. They're not cheap to make. They're not cheap, cheap to sell. They're not cheap to package. They're not, they're not, there's nothing cheap about the way that we do it at Max. Nothing. And, and it's, it's always been from day one, we've, I always say we make, we make the product as good as I knew how to make it at that time. But we left no stone un, unturned in trying to make a phenomenal product with a great offering, focusing so much about the experience. But we still, you know, we still make mistakes and, and that obligation I feel like we have to our customer that has taken this hard-earned wage and is spending it on our product, to me, is like so cool. And I take that personal. That's their money. And they worked really hard for that. And they're going to give it to me? And so one of the things our team, I, I think if you were to speak with anybody at our corporate office, it's no secret that I take that super personal. And, and I push that into our team. It's like, guys, we work for the customer and they are giving us a lot of money for a product. So that's their part of it. Our part of it is to deliver on that experience, on that value, to do what we said we're going to do, when we said we're going to do it, the way we said we were going to do it. And it's, it's not just lip service. That is part of the heart and soul of Bex. But that is the kind of quality that is so, you know, such a strong piece of your success, that continued thread, is because you have founded your company on that principle and you guys do deliver in that. We try we try like crazy and we're and we're trying we're we're trying harder and harder every day. 
I don't claim to say that we're perfect, and I don't claim to say that we've made all the right decisions or all the right moves. But I will claim to say, and I will stand by it, every day when you walk into our office, we are pushing to get better 100%. And anybody that doesn't follow that, anybody that doesn't adopt that mentality or embrace that spirit, that's okay. I don't blame them for that, but they're probably not a fit for Bex. And the one thing that I refuse to do is I will not go down and meet you at your level. I'm going to make you come to mine. So as somebody who is a self-proclaimed lifelong learner, which I am a super fan of because I kind of coined myself to be the same way, where have you found the most value in continuing your like your knowledge? And I, I don't want to call it education, but like just how you find information, whether it's about how to run your company or how to produce a better product, like where is it that you tend to have the most luck? Because I think that that's something we, you know, going back to the idea that so many people do feel unqualified in what it is that they want to pursue, how can they become qualified or how can they feel more confident in their abilities? Yeah, great question. So the answer is it's everywhere, right? It's it's everywhere. And you just have to look for it. You have to, you have to, you know, be seeking out those opportunities. One of the things I've always tried to be is an expert novice. I strive to become an expert on everything, but I want to approach everything as I'm a novice. I don't ever want to sound like I know it all. I don't, and you never know where you're going to learn from, right? There's a, there's a great book. First of all, I read a lot of books. I love to read books, which is, which is crazy, right? Because when I used to rodeo, we had all that time in the truck and I never read books. So I, so I extract a lot of knowledge from that. And then I ask a ton of questions to people that have made it to the mountaintop and I try and listen to them. And I've been so fortunate to be around a lot of really great people. And uh, I had a I had a young men's leader one time when I was when I was a boy that that said the difference in a smart man and a wise man is a smart man learns from his own mistakes, a wise man learns from everyone else's. So so I, I try and really have a good pulse on the landscape, looking around. But there's a book called The Great Game of Business. Back to that, and it talks about the Springfield Manufacturing Plant. They had a guy in there that was just kind of just doing just janitorial stuff. But he had been a business owner for 30 years and nobody stopped to ask him about his experience or about his knowledge. And they were having a hard time in management with, with some of the, some of the challenges that they were having as a business. And, and this guy had, this gentleman had been there all along, right? And so you never know where you're going to learn. I love books. I love asking questions to people. And then the big one is lessons. You can learn so much. I listened to uh, Keith Mundy's, Mr. Mundy's podcast just in preparation for this one. And the one thing that he said in there, well, he said a lot of great things uh, that I that I took notes on. But the one thing he he said in there that I loved, and it's so true, is that you can learn every bit as much, if not more, from the mistakes that you made than you can from the things that you did right. And I've always had a lot of respect for Keith Mundy, lots of, uh, of respect for him. The way that he has treated me since I came into this industry as, as a nobody has been second to none. Something I'll always be grateful for, and, and nobody will ever be able to to change my my regard that I have for that man. Oh, I feel the same way. And I'm going to echo your thoughts too, is he has treated me the same way since the very first day that he met me until, you know, today, which has been years and years ago. And, and that really does go to show the type of person that he is just because he truly does treat everybody like they are somebody. And that is an incredibly important quality to have. And I do think that that's a quality that is maybe kind of dwindling in society as we go. And I hate to see that for sure. Right. The one thing I left out though, that is not to be discounted is the power of prayer for me has been a great teacher too. I'm imperfect as the day is long, right? 
But when I really don't know where to turn, my wife's the vice president of X, right? So she always will be. She is the vice president of X and that position is not up for discussion. She's earned it. We started the business together. She's a great partner. She's a great friend. She's a hard worker. She's savvy. She's amazing. My wife is amazing. But after I've kind of run through things with her and and, and just still kind of at a crossroads, I'll say a prayer. I'll ask my Heavenly Father, hey, what do you got anything for me here? Because I'm struggling. Like I, I just can't seem to get over this. And so not to be overly you know, spiritual, but definitely that is in my repertoire of things that I will learn from. And sure. I think I think that is so important that if to have, you know, whatever somebody has, you know, I feel the same same way though. I, you know, I take it to God and he'll figure it out, whether it's probably not on my timeline, but <laughs> when it's on his, and that's usually the timeline that's gonna happen anyways. So okay, I wanna I want to change things just a little bit. Okay. And I want to talk about marketing and your ideal customer because I think that this is something that you guys are very extraordinary at, and it is figuring out who your ideal audience is. So at the end of the day, everybody in America could be the candidate to wear Beck's sunglasses, right? Because everybody right. ideally wears sunglasses. But you guys have really honed in on cowboys, agriculture, Western industry, Western sports. I don't want to forget cowgirls in that either, but I, I think that was kind of assumed. But- I think that's part of why you guys are so successful because instead of saying we're the sunglass for everybody, you guys have really honed in on that one niche audience and have done phenomenally well there. But can you tell us a little bit more just about why that is and how that has helped you guys? Yeah. So I think about marketing probably different than anyone you've ever met. Let's just start with that. When people think about marketing, they think of advertising, uh, storytelling, product placement, et cetera, just kind of everything in the form of traditional marketing and value in getting the word out, especially for a large company with, with big budgets that's really been established for a long, long time. From the beginning, my main focus has always been trying to identify ways to make an impression at Bex. That's been number one for me. Uh, marketing to me is design, details, experience, value, trust. All of these things, which are probably not common answers. Can the customer feel it? That's what I want to know. You know, because we work for the customer. Like I said before, they are our boss. Without them, we have no job. We are out of a job. I know that. Our team knows that. So marketing is pretty simple to me. Is what we are doing impactful? That's what I ask myself. That's what I ask our team. Did we deliver on our promise? Did we do what we said we would do? Like I talked about before, those things matter to me. That to me is marketing, right? And so it seems very old fashioned. It seems seems very just banal and kind of just standard, but that's that's how we approach it. And then once we ask ourselves those questions, we let our actions determine whether that's true, right? Talk is cheap. And so part of a successful marketing campaign for us at Bex is just is just doing the little things and in a really big way. The little things in a really big way. That's a good one. We're gonna have to write that one down for sure. Okay. What is next? For Bex, anything fun coming down the pipeline? For Lots us? of fun. Lots of fun <laughs> stuff. Not not very much I can share with you, unfortunately, because I'm a I'm very I pride myself on on kind of coming with a bang in different ways with different products and different categories and things like that. We're always working on something in the in the in the Bex Cave. We our design studio is called the Bex Cave, and uh, so we're always working on some really fun stuff. But uh, we just launched a T-shirt line, and it's it's a great T-shirt, right? It's 
it's a $50 t-shirt and, and it's not what you would expect. Right. But the time, the effort, the materials, everything that we put into this product, it's a $50 t-shirt. That's, that's what we would put into it. We're not going to ask $35. We're not just ripping the tags out of it and throwing a, a logo on it. Like, like you'll, you'll see in the marketplace, we actually crafted this thing. It's cut and sew. It's, we've worked on it for over two years. And the idea was, is to create a product that just never wore out to take that same reliability and that same great fit that you've come to expect from our, from our eyewear and extrapolate that across into an apparel category. And the reason why we didn't do it for a long time is we kind of tried it and I left that to the team to try and it just wasn't, I wasn't happy with the results. And so I finally said, if we're doing this, let's sit down and let's really do it right. And so it's been a couple of years in the making. We just launched it and I have a friend that's a horseshoer and we had bought some shirts years and years ago, just kind of as a promotional piece. And these shirts would last him lifting up multiple horses, you know, every day going through 10, 12 horses a day. And these shirts would last him four or five years. And this material would just never wear out. And so that was kind of the premise and the idea behind it is, yeah, it's a $50 t-shirt, but it's going to last five, six, seven times longer than anything else in your closet. So a lot of fun. No, there's nothing fast fashion about that. You know, I like though the, you go quietly and then you make a big splash. I call that the, the quiet hustler, which... I do kind of fall into the same category. I always like to like secretly do things and then all of a sudden put it into the universe versus talking about it and talking about it. And then it doesn't, it doesn't come to fruition as expected. Cause there's a lot of times that, that, you know, you have plans and then they don't, they don't happen. Yeah. I always tell new, new entrepreneurs, they'll they'll tell me about an idea and I'll say, Hey, you don't have to worry about me. I'm not ever going to undermine you or take your idea, but, but you need to keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Go do it. Get it done. And just show the world. Don't talk about it. Be about it and, and get it done. And so, but there are a lot of fun things we're working on at Bex. I don't know what the timelines are because these are super unique, mind-blowing projects that we're working on. You know, up there with the vending machines and some of these other things that we've done, right? But uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, so you just brought up the vending machines, and because I was recently in Las Vegas, I was at South Point. And for those of you who have never seen this, you've never been to South Point, or maybe you've never seen a Bex vending machine. You walk into the South Point Arena, and there on the right is a vending machine, like what you would get candy or drinks out of, but you can buy Bex sunglasses. It is a Bex sunglass branded vending machine. How did you come up with that idea? An idea I've had for a long, long time. The, the, the challenge with that idea was getting our virtual try-on to integrate with the actual vending machine itself, right? Which, which sounds easy, but it's the biggest challenge. And nobody's going to, I can't expect anybody like, listen, I love our product and I'm proud of it, but I can't expect people to buy a $150, $200 pair of sunglasses out of a vending machine with no, I mean, the brand is strong, but I, I don't know if it's that strong, right? So it's not, it's not a candy bar is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a, uh, a, a large purchasing decision, right? So we were to get our virtual try on, which is the same thing we have on our website so that people at home can try their glasses on virtually. We had that we had to extrapolate that same technology into the vending machine. That was the real challenge. Uh, luckily, we were able to do it in 2018. And about every two years, we update that vending machine with kind of a newer and improved technology. But it's a lot of fun. When we were developing that, I would tell our team, "I'm like, listen, we got to push the tempo. We got to move fast." And everybody'd look at me like, "This has never been done before." And I'd say, "I know. Oakley's not even doing it, but we're 40 we're 40 years behind those guys. Like, we got to go. We got We got time to make up. We got we got to get running." And, and uh, there's. There's a lot to be said for that that perseverance, that tenacity to get the job done. 
Yeah. Okay. So on the topic of vending machines, there's one in the South Point that I just talked about. Where else? How many others are there out there? So we have we have 10 of them at our office and we just deploy them in different scenarios, right? So we've had some of these bigger rodeos and a lot of these bigger type events that have asked to use them. But the only one that's permanent is, is a deal that we, that we structured with the South Point in Las Vegas. Okay. Well, if you guys are ever in South Point, make sure, walk to the arena, go check out the vending machine because it is, it's really cool. That is, there is no doubt about that. Okay. I want to go into our rapid fire round real quick. So these don't necessarily have to be those short rapid fire answers, but they're the same questions that we ask all of our guests. The first mm-hmm. question is, what's the best piece of business or personal advice you've ever been given? So the best piece of personal advice you actually took in the episode that I listened to in preparation for this is you're never wrong to do the right thing, right? Is that, that was, that somebody told me that a long time ago is actually, it's Aaron Baker. He's the president or the CEO of Canon Safe. He's a good friend of mine. And I was going through a hard thing a long time ago. And, and I said, man, I, I messed up. And he said, well, you're never wrong to do the right thing. Just own it. And, and that always stuck with me. But business advice came from my father. And that was, uh, that was always show up every day, show up, even if you don't feel good or you're upset or you're unhappy or something, you know, you, you failed yesterday, show up for 10 minutes, 10 hours, show up every day. So that was a big one. Well, I feel like we have a lot of commonalities in this. So that makes me feel good because I look up to you. So if, if we're on the same wavelength, I'm feeling pretty good. Okay. Well, you've got to shoot higher. I'll just tell you right now, you got to. <laughs> You got to go much higher up the, up the ladder. Oh, if you could give people any words of wisdom and you knew that they would take them to heart, what would it be? I would have to say that your heavenly father loves you very much. I like That's it. probably what it would be. That's probably what it would be is that I could give you some spiel and, I've, and there's a lot of them, right? I read a lot of books and I try and learn as perpetually as, as anybody, but the one thing that I see on a daily basis as I travel and as I see people have hard times and see some of the things that even our customers go through, I would just, I would just say that God loves you so much. Yeah, that, that would be it. Oh, man. Absolutely. Okay. If you could go to dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would you pick? Gosh, these ones hit hard. That's an easy one for me. Uh, that would be my dad. Just one more dinner. Oh, what we wouldn't give to have one more with people like that that means so much to us. Okay. I feel like we've kind of asked these questions a little bit, but what's one quote that you lead your life by? Ooh. Oh, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. That's the one I think that I would probably settle on for here is, is, is it's so, it's so hard to attain and it takes so much effort, which I'm a big effort guy. I love effort. Great attitude, great effort. You can do more with that than you can with a college degree or anything else, right? But for me, it is knowledge. Knowledge is handy. It's power. It's the only thing we're taking to the next life. And that that one for me would be it. Okay. And then the last question is, this is kind of a newer question. So do you have a favorite book, podcast, program, product, service, something that has quote unquote changed your life that you wish more people knew about? <laughs> Gosh dang, a lot of these questions like feel like I'm a missionary in Mexico again, right? Because like, the thing that comes to mind is the Book of Mormon has changed my life, right? But, but for, for me, I love books. I, I, you know, I, I, use, I use them all, Audible 
because I drive, you know, travel a lot. I like, I like headway. I like Blinkist, you know, all these things to be able to hack that time down as much as possible. I'm not a big podcast. I do like, you know, I, I like the Grant Cardones. I like listening to some of his stuff. It can be a little bit too much. Sometimes he's a real raw, raw guy. You know, uh, Simon Sinek has some great advice with finding the kind of heart and soul of your organization. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Tim Ferriss, you know, is, is really, is really good. So, but to me, it's my form of kind of education or input would be, would be audiobooks to try and get through, I don't know, four or five a week as much as fast as I can download. And I don't retain information very good. So a lot of times I'll have to listen to the same book you know, a couple, two, three times in a quarter just for it to be able to, to be able to hit home. Well, I tell you what, you are a very well-read, well-educated, like you found the knowledge that you needed. And so now that you say that you listen to four or five books a week, that makes so much sense. So note to self, get a little bit better about no, getting see, more books you, in. <laughs> no, the thing is, is, this is, don't, don't, I hope did not sound like anything. I don't want to ever be something that I'm not, right? But you started so much ahead, further ahead than I did, right? So you're, like, I could work every day, all day with the people that are, that are educated, that actually studied and paid attention in school. Uh-huh. And I'm still, I'm still going to fall short, but I'm trying, definitely trying and being proactive as I can about trying to catch up and make up for lost time. Absolutely. But you know what? That's something that I actually think is so important is knowledge is very important. But over time, for the most part, with the exception of math, I would say knowledge changes. Like what you learned in kindergarten that one plus one is two, that's never going to change, right? And you know, right. science is very that way. English is pretty much that way. But as far as just like business acumen and how to do things, those consistently evolve on a daily basis. And so even if you think you knew something 10 years ago, chances are it may not be relevant today. So I think it is very important to continue that yearning for learning, if you will, because, yeah. I mean, it's very easy to to get stale and to have your knowledge, you know, outgrow what you, what you actually think you know. Yes, ma'am. I agree. And another thing is it's all readily there. It's, it's in today's day and age, it's easier than ever to be able to find the things that you want to find. It's all right there. And most of the time it's free. So the excuse of not being able to afford it kind of goes out the window. And, I, and for me, I love that because that's kind of how we operate at Bex is if you give me an excuse about why something's not getting done, I will, and you can ask our team, I will start to remove all these obstacles to a point where like you'll become exposed. There's nothing else to, to, to kind of sift through or to hide behind, right? And that's how I feel about knowledge today's day and age is it's there. You just, I, I, we had this conversation this morning with our sales manager. Uh, he's a great guy named John Scout. I love John. He's doing a phenomenal job at Bex. And we were talking about different things and somebody said a question. I said, you know what? The only reason for somebody not to know something today is just because just, just they're lazy. That's really what it comes down to because it's all there. It's all there. It's as fun and easy and exciting as ever to learn whatever you want to learn. And it's, it's really exciting times to live in. Oh, you, you are spot on, which is the perfect way to round out the end of this episode. But before we go, for those who are listening, who maybe do live under a rock and have never heard of Bex, where can they find you guys online? Where can they follow you on social media? Yeah. So yeah, we're on BexSunglasses.com. We have a website. Uh, We have, you know, over 2000 amazing retail partners in the US, Canada, 
Brazil and Australia. So just jump into a store and 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 I hope that we're that we're doing business with them guys. And and if if so, if if not, that's a bummer. If so, tell us how we're doing. Tell us what we can do better. Send us an email. Let us know. And then social media, Instagram. And then for me personally, you'll you'll find me at home uh, raising my kids and spending a lot of time with my family or in the arena, rubbing a few steers. So, well, I will say I will give a plug for Bex. I I'm a sunglass connoisseur. Justin, my husband, he wears glasses and lives in sunglasses. Like he will not go without them. We both wear Becks. We love them. The like the product is unmatched. The quality is there. So everything that Jason has set up until now, he's not like he means it. He's not lying. It is an incredible product that you have worked very, very hard on. And I'm so appreciative that you sat down with us today to share your wisdom and your insight. You had so many good quotes. And I know that people are really going to be inspired by this, which if you are somebody listening today who loved this episode, be sure to take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, tag Beck Sunglasses, tag of the West, and make sure to also rate and review the podcast. That makes a really big difference for us when it comes to being able to be found easier and people listening to us. So thank you. Those shares and rates and reviews all go a very long way for us. Jason, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much, Jesse. It was awesome. Had a blast. Awesome. We'll see you guys next week. If you loved this episode, do us a favor and share it with someone else who might find just as much value in it as you did. We're on a mission to continue to grow and strengthen the future of agriculture and Western industries, and you spreading the word helps us make more of a positive impact. It also makes a big difference when you take a minute to go rate and review the show. We can't thank you enough for listening, for sharing, and for loving Ag and Western as much as we do. We'll see you back here for our next episode.